with us at any time. Uh, this morning, please uh, sign the friendship register as it's passed down your pew, so we'll have a record of all of our visitors and you. In particular, we use this to monitor and know who's not here, so it helps us tremendously. Uh, I would remind everyone that we now have an attended nursery back in the back to the foyer to the left, if that's needed. Um, the uh, people that's listed in the program that is participating in the worship today, there's one change in it, Brent Mooney, and I'm not sure just yet who will do that, so that'll come later. But we're glad to see everyone here this morning. It's uh, great to be able to come together to worship as a, as a group of the church. So if we would, let's bow and have a prayer at this time. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the, this congregation of your people meets here. We're thankful for the dedication we see and the effort they put forth to take the time and to be here this morning in worship. We pray that we come with the right attitude. We pray that we can worship as you would have us to. We pray, Father, that for the one who brings our lesson to us this morning, that we will pay special attention to it, that we, get a, we learn something that will help us to grow spiritually. We're so thankful for the unity we see here. We're so thankful for all the people that's willing to spend our time to do so many things that we do in your name. And you get the honor and the glory for the things we do. And Father, we pray now that you would continue to bless us as we move forward as our theme is, moving forward. We pray that we can do that in a good way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's a great crowd we've got today. If you would stand with me and we'll sing together number ten, or sing together ten thousand reasons. Let's sing out to the Lord this morning. Bless the Lord of my soul.
seated. Sing a medley of More Precious Than Silver, O Lord, You're Beautiful, with the chorus of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we gather together this morning again, so grateful to be able to do so. May what we hear in today's lesson, every word of it, be applied to our lives, thankfully. Father, we know that those in our congregation, and there are many, who are not well, those who, those who have anxiety, those who have physical and spiritual ills. Father, may we take every opportunity that we have to see to it that they have done what is needed to help them recover. We're so thankful for all those that help. We're so thankful for the medical professionals. We're just so thankful for everyone that cares. Father, we know that this care, it originates with thee. Father, we love thee, and we're so grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and died for all of us. We shall never forget through eternity. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Song of invitation will be just as I am. I come broken, 
sing that after Brother Doug's lesson. Before that, we'll sing number 450. Give me the Bible. 450. Let's sing out. Give me the Bible, sorrow that is Scripture reading will be from Amos uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Amos 4, verse 12. Therefore, Israel, that is what I will do to you. And since I will do that to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. Good morning. It's good to see each of you today, and it's an honor to be able to welcome you to our services here at the Boonville Church of Christ. If you are Visiting with us, we especially want to let you know by our actions towards you that we are indeed grateful for your presence and uh, hope that you won't just rush off so quickly, but give us a chance to express our appreciation to you. You know, before I get into my lesson this morning, I just wanted to say a word or two about our young people. I've had the privilege this quarter of teaching our teens on Wednesday night and I've had the opportunity to go to various places to see them 
uh, interact in their athletic activities and other activities. And I just have to say this, I'm extremely impressed always by our young people here at Boonville. We are richly blessed to have such an outstanding group. Uh, from what I can see, they're always well behaved. They're always respectful. That's a reflection on the parents. And I, I think that you need to be commended for that as well. When I look at this group of young people, I, I see a group that there's a sense of belonging there. They're accepting of one another. You don't see these cliques and that kind of thing that you might see in some places. And I appreciate that. And I, I just wanted to say that while I had the chance that I commend you for uh, how you're raising your children. And I hope that you will continue uh, to appreciate our youth. We do need to remember Brother Ken Forrest as he is now on his way to Saipan. Uh, he'll be there for a few more days uh, teaching and preaching, and this is an excellent opportunity. And we want to remember him in our prayers for his uh, good work and for his safety while he's there and as he returns. And I just want, as we begin today, to have a word of prayer, especially on behalf of Brother Ken uh, as he travels. Will you bow with me? Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for all that you do for us. We know that you are the source of all blessings, and without you, we could have nothing or be nothing. Father, at this time, we want to especially remember our brother Ken Forrest as he is on a mission trip to Saipan. We pray that you would bless him with health and strength, that you would be with his safety. We pray, with the good, we pray for the good work that he is going to engage in, and we pray for its success. And we're confident, Father, that much good is going to be accomplished, and your name will be glorified through his efforts. Please watch over him and take care of him, and please bless his family as well, Father, while he's away. In Christ's name, amen. Last week, it was announced that our theme for the year is reaching forward. And with that in mind today, I want to look at a passage of scripture that I believe is, is somewhat familiar to us. Many sermons have been preached with this verse as its basis. Many times people have been persuaded to obey the gospel and to make their lives right because of this passage. This morning, I want us to focus our attention and think about preparing to meet God and the impact that I believe that that ought to have on our lives. It just seems to me if we're not really careful, we live this life and we go from day to day and we often think very little, if any at all, about where we're going to spend our eternity. It seems like we get all wrapped up in this world and secular affairs, our busy schedules, that many times we give very little thought to the life beyond this life. Now, we make preparation for many things in life, don't we? Our young people, if they want to pursue a career, they will experience and go through several years of education to prepare them for that career. We know what it means to make preparation for things here in this life. But I wonder if we take the time to prepare for the life to come. I'd like to call your attention this morning to a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, Amos chapter 4 and verse 12. 
And there the prophet said, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. And because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Here the prophet Amos hundreds of years ago sounded out this warning for the people of God. And that warning was that they needed to make preparation to meet God. And we need to understand today that in principle, that admonition that Amos gave long ago is just as important today as it was in the day in which Amos gave it so long ago. This is something that I believe every accountable person needs to be aware of. We need to be aware of the tremendous importance of always being prepared to meet God. Today I want to suggest, if you will, a few things regarding the truths that are found in this passage. And we're talking about a day when all people will stand before God in judgment. And, you know, that word prepare has a real significant meaning. That word prepare means today that each one of us ought to be willing to examine our lives. That word prepare means that we would be willing to change. We would be willing to correct anything in our lives in order to be ready to meet God. I wonder how much preparation needs to be made in the lives of those who are members of the body of Christ here at this place. And if you're outside the body of Christ, you've never become a Christian. I hope you'll understand what that word prepare means. It means you just don't come and hear the word of God again and again and not obey it. It means, though, that you submit your will to God's will and you're willing to do anything in order to make ready for that time that you'll meet God. So let's focus, if you will, this morning on some profound truths that I believe are found in this great passage. May I suggest, first of all, this morning that this meeting about which Amos talked about and warned people of his day and about which we warn people of our day, this is a meeting that will involve every single person. Not one person is going to be absent on that day. Now, there is no doubt in my mind, as good of a crowd as we have here, there's still some that could be here and should be here, but for whatever reason, they chose not to come. Same is going to be true tonight when we assemble at 5 o'clock, and also the same will be true when we meet on Wednesday night. There'll be some people that could and should be here, but they just chose not to come. But we need to have impressed upon our minds, though, that every individual who's ever lived will be present at this great meeting with God. Every man since the days of Adam and Eve, down the centuries through the prophets, you think about those that have lived in the last 20 centuries. You think about the individuals that were alive when our Lord walked upon this earth. We need to understand that every person is going to be there. It doesn't matter if one is rich or poor. 
he's going to be there. If one is either small or great in the eyes of human beings, they're still going to be there. If a person is a king or a prince or a peasant or a pauper, it doesn't matter. Every man, woman, boy, girl, rich and poor, young and old are going to be present at this great meeting with God. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 14, verse 10, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Every individual. Every person who's ever lived will just as surely as God lives give an account of his deeds on that day. In fact, our Lord said in Matthew 25 and verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all of his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Here the Lord pictures the scene of all people who have ever existed in time. And every individual from all these nations are going to be there assembled around the great throne of God. And our Lord says on that day, a great separation is going to take place. The king shall say to them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But then the king shall say to them on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus would say in John 5 and verse 28, marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life, they that have done evil under the resurrection of condemnation. You know, today, as you and I think back in our lives, we think about so many wonderful people who've left us. They passed on into eternity. Some who were great and good and honorable and holy people. We see their faces in our minds. And we know that one day they're going to be resurrected unto everlasting life. But then we think about those that we've known that live sinful, wicked, disobedient lives. Those who refuse to obey the gospel. And the Bible says that they also are going to be resurrected to stand before God in judgment. In fact, John said in Revelation 1 and verse 7, Behold, he comes with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, even they that pierced him, and all nations of the earth shall wail because of him. Every eye 
that's ever seen the ray of God's sun since the early morning of time. Every individual is going to see the Lord when he comes back. And how we need to be impressed today with the idea that, that one day, whether or not we want to try to put that day far from us, whether or not we want to try to shut that day out of our thoughts and minds, one day you and I will stand before God in judgment. And I can't think of a more sobering thought in all the world than to contemplate the idea that one day I alone and you alone will stand before God in judgment. Not one single person is going to be absent on that day. But you know, also, as we think about this admonition to meet God, not only will all people be there, but I would like to suggest to you that this book, God's Word, is going to be the standard by which you and I will be judged on that day. Now, all the people who lived back in the days of the Old Testament, back in the days of Adam and Noah and the patriarchs and throughout all the periods of the prophets, all these individuals, they'll stand before God and they'll be judged by the Old Testament. But every one of us that's lived since the cross, we're going to be judged according to the New Testament. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. We need to realize today that this book that I hold in my hand, this is going to be the standard by which we're going to be judged. In fact, our Lord said in John 12 and verse 48, He who rejects me and does not receive my words, he hath one that judgeth him. These words that I have spoken, the Lord said, the same shall judge him in the last day. Now you and I may leave this book lying closed on the shelf. We may refuse to study it. We may refuse to meditate upon its truths, but just as surely as we live, one day we're going to be judged based upon what that book says. On that last and final day, you're not going to be judged based upon what you think. You're not going to be judged based upon your particular religious preference. On that particular day, you're not going to be judged by even what your parents may have said and taught you down through the years. But on that day, you're going to be judged by the Word of God the New Testament. And I believe that's why you ought to be willing to lay aside anything and everything that would keep you from obeying this book by which you'll one day be judged. You ought not allow any idea. You ought not allow any influence. You ought not allow anything at all to keep you from obeying that by which you will one day be judged. But not only as we think about this idea of reaching forward and preparing to meet God, not only will all people be there, not only is the Bible going to be the standard by which we're going to be judged, 
But I want to suggest to you this morning that every person that's here in this building, as well as every person who's ever lived, we're actually going to stand before God and we're going to meet God based upon our own way of living. I'm going to have to stand before God and I'm going to have to give an account for the way I've lived. You're going to have to give an account for the way that you've lived. In fact, the Bible says in Ezekiel 18 verse 20, the soul that sins, it shall die. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things, watch it, done in his body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Do you understand today what the inspired writer is saying? He's saying that every one of us one day are going to receive the things that we've done in our physical bodies. We're going to be rewarded in accordance to how we've used our bodies on this earth. And if we use our bodies for selfish purposes, if we use our bodies to just fulfill our lustful desires, if we use our physical bodies to do what we want to do and to do that which is wrong, then on that day, we're going to receive what we've done in our bodies. In fact, Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Paul says here, don't be deceived. And if we think that somehow... We can live a sinful, ungodly life. If we think that we can just live our lives as we choose, then Paul said, there's no way that you can mock God and get by with it. You know, there may be some here today who may be saying to themselves, I know I need to become a Christian. I know I'm lost in my sins. And I know I need to be baptized into Christ. I know I need to do that. But I'm just not going to do it right now today. There may be others who are saying to themselves, you know, as I look at my life, there are things that I know that just aren't right. There are things that I need to change. There are things that I need to do differently. I know I need to make my life right. I need to come and ask for the prayers of the church, but you know, I'm just not going to do it right now. But on that day, just as surely as God lives, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. But that confession on that day will not cause your soul to be saved. In fact, the Bible says in Daniel 12 and verse 2, many of them that shall sleep in the dust shall awake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. 
The wise man said that God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 14. And how we need to understand today that as we prepare to meet God, we're going to have to give an account of the deeds that we've done in our body. That's why while there's time and while there's opportunity, we need to make sure that our lives are right with God so that one day we will hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to suggest now to you that as we think about preparing to meet God, one great item in this preparation needs to be the understanding that this meeting with God is not going to be announced. It's not going to be announced in advance. This meeting with God, when it occurs, is going to take place at an hour that we're not even aware of. Our Lord said in Matthew 24 and verse 36, but of that day and of that hour knows no man. No, not the angels in heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Two shall be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Two shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. You know, if we could only know for sure that our Lord was going to come this week or this month, or even if we could somehow have the knowledge that we could put the date our Lord's coming back on the calendar for this year, if we knew when he was coming, we could make an all-out effort in order to be ready to meet him. But the fact is, folks, we don't know when the Lord's going to come. Peter put it this way in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. He said, the day of the Lord will come. How, Peter? As a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy living and godliness? Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 2, for you yourselves know perfectly. The day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. That phrase peace and safety was used in that day and time to suggest to the people that everything was good, everything was wonderful. 
Everything is going well. We have the utmost security. We can live like we want to because everything is under control. And yet Paul said, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. The truth of the matter is, people, we don't know when the day of the Lord's going to come. But the Lord did say in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44, therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. You know, as I stand before you this morning, I, I really wonder if it registers in your hearts and minds that one day the Lord's going to come. Not announced, but as a thief in the night. Suppose the Lord had come yesterday or last night or this morning. Suppose the Lord should come back even tonight. What would be your situation? How we need to heed the admonition of this prophet to prepare to meet God. I want to change gears a little bit now and think about some things briefly that we need to do in order to make this preparation. Since Amos told us to be ready to meet God, what are some things that we need to think about and focus on in order to make this preparation? Well, I think, first of all, we need to become thoroughly, thoroughly acquainted with God's standard of judgment. We need to spend time with this book from which all of us are going to be judged. We need to understand that we're going to be judged by this book, and therefore, we need to have an understanding of its contents and its teachings. It's going to be an awesome thing to stand before our God and have to give an account of our lives based upon a book that we're not even really aware of. And also, if we're going to make this preparation to meet God, we're going to have to dedicate our lives and consecrate our hearts to the Lord as never before. We need to make up our minds that we're just simply not going to be engrossed with material things, but we need to determine that the Lord and his church and his kingdom is going to be first in our lives. We need to accept the challenge that the Apostle Paul gives us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 to be that living sacrifice, one that is consumed on the altar of service to God and to others, holy and acceptable to God. And being not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to become dedicated to the God of heaven. We've got to understand that our priorities must be that the Lord and his church come first. And if we're really dedicated to the Lord like we should be, there's not going to be any question at all about where we're going to be this afternoon at 5 o'clock. If we're really committed to the Lord in our hearts, we know where we're going to be tonight, if at all possible, or Wednesday night at 5 o'clock. If I'm a young person and I have a 
difficult question about a certain activity, there's not going to be any question about my decision if I'm really putting the kingdom of God first. Being dedicated that way means that we are dedicated to our God without reservation. And also, if we're going to make this preparation to meet God, we have to understand the importance of denying ourselves of some things in this world. I'm afraid a growing number of people in the Lord's church have the idea that, you know, I can do as I please. I can go to church on Sunday, and, and then I can just go and act like the world acts, and somehow everything's going to be fine and I can go to heaven. But the Bible tells us that if we're going to be prepared to meet God, we can't be exactly like the world is. In fact, Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14, admonishes us to be a peculiar people, that we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, and we are to live soberly and righteously. That just simply means that as children of God, we have to look differently from those in the world. In fact, we cannot become so aligned with the world today that we cannot be clearly seen as lights in the world. Jesus said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world, John chapter 17. And that just simply means that as children of God, we have to separate ourselves from this world. That means a child of God can't act like the world acts. A child of God cannot dress like the world dresses if that dress is immodest. But children of God today have to be different from the world. And we need to think about this. We need to understand that we have to stay away and avoid those things that calls our light for Jesus Christ to become dim and hurt our influence. I think about the use of tobacco. I think about the use of alcoholic beverages. We think about vaping that has become so popular. Or what about our attitude each day? How do we view other people? How do we treat other people? What about sexual immorality that we're admonished over and over again in God's word to stay away from? Folks, there's so many things that we need to think about. Maybe it's gossip and slander. Maybe it's dis causing disunity among God's people. It could be something as simple as harboring a grudge toward someone. See, all these are things that harm our influence toward our children, our grandchildren. And certainly as we think about how the world sees us, these are things and many other things like them that we need to separate from so that others will see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. And I just want to appeal to you today that you would have enough respect, enough sincerity for the God of heaven that 
you would always be willing to separate yourself from those things that would cause you to be influenced and hurt your influence in a world of ungodliness. Then let me suggest as well today, if we're going to be prepared to meet God, we can't put our faith and trust in material things. You see the impression that we get from watching television commercials, the key is being financially set for the future. You know, we want to be set. We want to make sure that we have enough of the material things of life, that we have money so that we can take care of ourselves. You don't need anybody. You've got the financial security that you need. That becomes the focus in life if we're not careful. And yet the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 9, they that will be rich, that verse doesn't condemn being rich. There's nothing wrong with being rich. What the writer's talking about is those that place riches and wealth and material things as their number one priority in life. That's their focus. They that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and in the many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Folks, we need to put our faith and trust in the God of heaven. We need to realize that God's going to take care of us and we need to serve him with all of our being, not focusing on the material things here upon this earth. Now this morning, if you're a member of the body of Christ, I trust that you'll think about some of these things. And in a few more minutes, we're going to sing an invitation song and I trust that you'll stop and think about some of these things that may separate between you and your God and resolve to correct those things and live a faithful Christian life. But suppose today you're not a Christian. Suppose you're outside of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do in order to make this great preparation to meet God? Well, Paul said in Romans 6 and verse 17, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine or teaching that was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. A man makes his life right when he's outside of Christ by obeying the gospel. What does that mean? What does it mean to obey the gospel? It's so simple. Of course, we have to believe in God and his son, Jesus Christ, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. And we need to be willing to change. We need to repent of our sins, Luke 13 and verse 3. We must be willing to confess with our mouths that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, Acts 8 and verse 37. And then in order to have our sins washed away, we must be immersed in water for that purpose. But what about it this morning if you don't do it? 
Just suppose you decide, I'm not going to obey the gospel right now. What's going to happen to those that choose not to obey? Well, Peter said in 1 Peter 4 and verse 17, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begin first at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? What Peter's saying here is, is if the most faithful child of God that you know of is just barely going to be saved, what's going to happen to that individual that refuses to obey the gospel? I think it's obvious that they're going to be lost. May I suggest to you today that our lives are far too uncertain not to make this preparation? We know the thread of life can so easily be broken. Young people, middle-aged, older people, none of us are immune from physical death. Our life is short. James even said in James 4 and verse 14 that our lives are, are like a vapor. Here for just a little while and then they vanish away. And because our lives are so brief and so uncertain, that's a reason why we need to make this preparation. And you know, the Bible says today is the day this preparation needs to be made. Today, if you'll hear his voice, hearken not your heart. I would just like to make an appeal to every person here as we've begun a new year to examine your heart and your life. And if you've not made the necessary preparation you need to make today, I want to suggest that you have far too much at stake not to make that preparation. Jesus said in Mark 8 and verse 36, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It is today that we need to understand if we lose our soul, who we are and what we are, we've lost everything. Because the soul of a person is eternal. The body of a man will one day return to the dust from where it came. But even a precious newborn baby is a soul that will live on forever. And one day when our bodies return to the earth, who we are and what we are is going to continue to live on forever in eternity. And we need to realize that the admonition that Amos gave is something that, that we need to understand. And we need to make this preparation to meet God. Brethren, we don't have any assurance of tomorrow. But we do know that now is the accepted time. If you need to respond to heaven's call this morning, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.
Supper, uh, we will sing number 337, Hallelujah, what a Savior. If you have a picture, Lord Supper package up as the ushers come by, just raise your hand and they'll help you get one. Last part of Matthew, Jesus met with his disciples for his ascension to heaven. Uh, he taught them about the Lord's Supper going to be in the church that's shortly coming. And after we partake of these this morning, let's think about 
the crucifixion and him meeting with the apostles and his ascension to heaven. Let's give the thanks for the, the bread. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this bread, which does represent the body of Christ. We pray, Father, that we'll partake of the way that it be pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name, amen. And after I took the Lord's Supper, he says, give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give that thanks for this cup, which does represent the blood of Christ. We pray, Father, that we'll take this in such a way to be pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name, amen. Also, I finished the Lord's Supper. A hey, First Corinthians sixteen two, and if you read Second Corinthians eight chapter and ninth chapter, gives uh, teaching on giving. I'm so glad to see these play, uh, collection plates up front because it teaches our young children, even from toddlers to they obey the gospel, and important to giving. And they see this going on during their growing up years, and it be with them for life. And let's give thanks for the blessings that God has poured out upon us. Our Father in heaven, we give that thanks for this another Lord's day, and for the blessings of being together, Father. We thank you for all the mature of their blessings that have blessed us with, Father. Have been so good to us, Father. We pray, Father, that. Will give in such a way that be pleasing unto thee in Christ's name. Amen.
I want to remind uh, everyone that tonight at 5 o'clock, our uh, classes for 6th grade and down will meet as normal, um, as they normally do, but the, uh, all the adults uh, will be in the auditorium as well as the college class and the teenage class will meet in the adult or in the auditorium tonight uh, for the presentation regarding our budget. I just wanted to uh, reiterate what's in the bulletin already, but if you haven't noticed yet, two Sundays from now, uh, that Sunday night will be our area-wide that we host here for the, for the teenagers of the area. And so I need your help, please, with food. We've gotten this down to an art uh, to how many we need of stuff, and I've got a list back there. It's on the little black table to the left when you're going, at, going out into the foyer. If you can help prepare something or bring something, please sign up. We need to fill every line that's on that paper in order to have enough. So thank you for that. Good morning and welcome to the Sunday morning services here at the Boonville Church of Christ. We had 312 in services this morning. That's a very good number. I've got quite a few announcements for you. The Golden Circle will have their luncheon this coming Tuesday at 11.30. And the Landmark Nursing Home Devotion is at 3 p.m. today, and the Jacinta Church of Christ is in charge. Uh, the Song Leaders Songs of Praise one-on-one -on -one sessions this afternoon at the Joneses' home for anyone who is still in need to select a song for the convention. There's a, a sheet out in the foyer where you can sign up for what time you want to do that. The Bible Bowl will meet at 4.15 this afternoon. <clears throat> the Lad to Leaders event leaders will meet in the little chapel immediately following the evening services tonight. To help celebrate the twin birth of Miller Kate and Miles Lee Pounds, there's a table in the foyer for diapers, wipes, and gift cards. And ladies are invited to a baby girl shower for Annie Catherine Bruce. This is the daughter of Katie and Drew. It's going to be on Sunday, January the 22nd from 1.30 till 3 o'clock in the TAC. And everybody is invited to a bridal shower in honor of Molly Rowland, bride-elect of Caleb Mooney, next Sunday, January the 15th from 1.30 to 3 o'clock in the Annex. If you signed up for the mass media and last to leaders, and Lynn Barragona has not seen you this morning, please see her and pick up your envelope. And we need to remember Brother Ken in your prayers. Uh, he's on a mission trip on the island of Saipan. That is all the announcements that I have. We're fixing to have the closing prayer, and after the closing prayer, please be seated because we're going to do the presentation of the scholarships. So would you please stand for our closing prayer.
Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do once again thank you for this wonderful day you've given us and the opportunity that we've had to come out and study your word once again. Lord, we pray that what we've heard today, may we apply it to our hearts and may as a result, we better serve you. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Before we present these scholarships, I would um, just like to thank all of y'all for helping contribute to this every year. Um, I'm sure the students that are going through it right now can tell you, and I went through it myself. I was a graduate of Fred Harbin that this is a worthy cause. This is a good thing that we put forth some of our money to because you cannot put a value on a Christian education. All right, it's just something about it. It means a lot. It's different, and it's good for the individuals that go through it. So we really appreciate all that you put forward for this. So if you're receiving a scholarship, will you please start making your way forward? And if there's an individual not here, if there's a family member that will come and take it for them, that'd be appreciated. We have three students this semester. They are all attending Freed Hardman University. First one is Savannah Martin. Ashton Farr. And Lewis Holloway, he's out of town visiting relatives this weekend. Once again, thank you all so much for contributing to this, and we appreciate everything that you do. We're dismissed. <laughs>